in general, you could not know why you shouldn't say an Esler, but I think people who deliberately bring up the fairytale of New York debate to defend fairytale of New York and using that term in the song know exactly why they shouldn't say the Esler. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I'm done with that conversation. Yeah. I, I think we're being willfully ignorant. Hi, Benji here. I'm Ollie. And you're listening to TikToks, the podcast where we unpack TikTok's hottest trending topics. From pop culture to social issues, we'll be stripping back the layers, helping you understand what's going down on the For You page, and saying how we feel about it. Whether it's Couch Guy, Berries and Cream, or Kate Bush's latest banger, nothing is off limits. Tune in every week for your dose of TikToks. Episode 11. 11. Wow, all right. For full disclosure, I may or may not be a little bit under the weather today. <laughs> sure, that's one way of putting it, Benji. I may have had a few a few drinks. Mm. I may have hydrated, overhydrated. Mm. You know, they say you should have your eight liters a day, right? You know. Is it that many? It's important to do so, you know. Well, okay, caveat, it's actually not meant to say there is such a thing as overhydration and you can overhydrate if you have those eight liters in a non-sensible way. Right. But you should just, you know, drink, sip throughout the day. Oh, trust me, I do not need encouragement to sip. <laughs> I have been sipping and that is why I do not feel so great today. So disclaimer, if I seem a little bit off today, bear with me. It's Christmas. <laughs> to be fair, I think it's very, very on brand for mm. the Christmas episode yeah. to have me be hungover. So today, because it's Christmas, what are we going to be talking about? What, are you, what have you got in store for us? So I want to talk about Do They Know It's Christmas, the song by Band-Aid, mm. and why we should rethink playing that song because it's racially insensitive. I've been speaking a lot about it online and yeah, I just want to use this opportunity to unpack exactly why that song is trash. And we're also going to spread in a little bit of commentary on the, that Pogue song, Fairytale of New York, yeah. for good measure. I also want to have a little bit of a no nuance moment okay, as well. So stay tuned if you want to hear more about that. And finally, I had a really, really awesome DM from one of our listeners that I really want to talk to you about. Nice. About misogyny in the queer community. From our last episode. From our last episode, yes. Episode nine. Exactly. I'm really excited to hear your no nuance, this little segment where we're bringing in for the first time in episode 11. And I'm going to be talking to you today about consumerism at Christmas time. Also, I have a little quiz lined up for you. I know you're not a big fan, but we're going to do a little Christmas quiz. It's very short. And then we're going to talk about capitalism more widely for this amazing Christmas special. I love that. And if you are listening to this and you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. Mm. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, I still hope that you are having a lovely time wherever you are, enjoying yourself and enjoying the break. Oh my god, it's so appropriate to say slay right now. Wow. Slay. Okay, let's so start with the recap. Let's start with the recap. Yes. Yeah, so I and maybe we should do this more often, but I got a really, really lovely DM that I want to read out. And this person, this lovely listener, has actually made an important point. They've added on to our conversation about the prevalence of misogyny in the queer community. Yeah. And so yeah, I just want to get your opinion and people listening's opinion on what this lovely person has said. So I'll read it out. They said, hi, first off, 
Thanks for creating. I've learned a lot from your content and your content has also helped me put language to things I already knew too. I just listened to your podcast about misogyny in the queer community and it chimed with some experiences I have had with one particular cis male gay friend. And I have found a bit difficult to explain why I have felt offended. One thing I thought maybe a helpful follow-up topic for future content is when some cis gay men use she, her pronouns to describe themselves when doing something diva-ish slash traditionally girly. I feel like this perpetuates misogyny. And so I don't like it. I also feel it may be a bit transphobic to switch pronouns in this way, but I've never called it out as I'm unsure of the roots slash history of this behavior and whether it really is misogynistic or maybe I've missed the point. Anyway, thanks for making your content. It always helps. Thank you so, so much. I won't say this person's name in case they want to be anonymous, but thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for being so kind and also raising a, a really interesting point that I hadn't considered before. Have you? No, I haven't really. And I'm definitely an offender in the, well, in the sense that I use she, her from time to time. I use about myself, I use about you. I fully understand where this person's coming from. For me personally, pronouns are kind of like, meh. You can call me whatever you want. I'm very cis-presenting, I would say. Like, people would assume that I'm cis because I'm not outwardly queer-coding my gender identity in any way. But I would say I'm kind of agender, and so agender is that you don't really subscribe to the idea of gender at all. And so for me, I will just use whatever pronoun feels right in the moment. And that tends to be he, him, but sometimes that will be she, her. Sometimes it will be they. And I think it's when I'm sort of embracing my femininity that I'll use she, her about me or same with you. And I can completely see how, like, that is stereotyping, right? It's like embracing femininity. Like, femininity as a concept has to be a stereotype. Otherwise, what is femininity? I'm not sure that it's misogyny unless it's done in a negative way. So if we're ascribing negative connotations to that concept of femininity, then maybe it's misogyny. But we do ascribe certain characteristics and traits with femininity and like the feminine gender. And so when we use she, her pronouns to talk about when we're doing something that embraces that feminine side, as long as it's not done in a negative way, as long as we're not only calling ourselves she, her when we're being weak or something like that, but rather when we're being sort of driven or sort of determined, you know? like Yeah, can I interject? Yeah, that? sure. So this person made a specific reference to queer men in a community using she her pronouns when they're doing something they deem to be deviant. Mm, okay, yeah. And so I'm assuming off of how the message has been written that this person is talking about when uh, queer men will be basically using she, her, or calling each other she, her, when they're trying to emphasize that they're, they're expressing themselves in a way that is quote unquote feminine, but the way they're expressing themselves may not be a positive feminine trait. Yeah, so maybe when they're being catty. Yes, mm. or just expressing themselves in a feminine way, but the way what makes it maybe a bit mis misogynistic is that you are kind of accentuating a trait that society may deem to be negative in women or yeah. negative when expressed by women, if that makes sense. For example, I would say that if you 
start using she, her pronouns when you and your friend start gossiping mm. about somebody else, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I would say that that is harmful because what you're doing is you're attributing something negative to women, essentially. And gossiping is also, not to get too distracted from the original point, the gossiping is also an interesting one because it's very gendered. Our idea of who gossips is very gendered, mm. but actually everyone gossips. I don't have many cis male people in my life, but the ones I do, they gossip. Like everyone gossips, do you know what I mean? But when we talk about gossiping in a negative way, we very much think about women. And so if you are a queer man and you are only using she, her pronouns when you and your friend are gossiping, it's harmful. However, to add balance, you know, we love balance. I would also say that, so me and my bestie, we love to call each other girly. And we'd be like, girly this, girly that. And actually I'll be transparent. A lot of times if we've met somebody and I'm not sure if they're part of the community or not, we will say, well, they're girly, well, they're girly. And then my friend will be like, oh, they were totally girlified. I'm like, I was getting girly vibes too. And for us, it's not necessarily that person is quote-unquote girly in the sense of like what society deems girls to act like but a girly i guess for us and this is very much speaking from just my personal experience and our personal experience growing up we went to the same school and there like we grew up being called girly in a negative way yeah for expressing feminine attributes and so us calling each other girly in like a positive affirmative way and referring to other people in the community as like girly for us anyway, it's very much like a reclaiming sort of thing. But then this comes exactly back to the yeah from like, it's not our word to reclaim. It's an interesting Or word. is it because because you were called girly in a negative way, does that make it yours to reclaim? Yeah. Thank you for bringing that point up. I think it's really interesting. I think as long as we're using she, her pronouns to express like empowering traits. So like if you're serving a look, and I'm like, yes, she is serving. That outfit is amazing. Mm. I find it hard to see how that would be misogynistic mm. because it's saying you're looking good. Like women look good. She's looking good. Mm. But definitely if you're, oh, she's, she's being a little gossipy today, isn't she? She's being a little diva. That is misogynistic. I don't know if you have any thoughts on the final part of the message about if it's transphobic. Yeah, the transphobic one, I think it's... Again, it comes down to exactly the same thing. It's whether you're making a mockery of it, whether you're doing it in a negative way, or whether you're doing it in a sort of reaffirming way. So the way I do it is very much from the angle of gender nonconformity, good thing. Like, I'm not a fan of gender. And so it, when I use different pronouns, that's not because I'm sort of making fun of the trans community using different pronouns. It's because I genuinely don't care what pronouns are used for me. There's definitely a way you can still make that transphobic by calling a guy her or she when he paints his nails if he's never said that he wants to be referred to as her and she kind of thing. You can make it transphobic, but it's context dependent, I think. I agree. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. bringing that up. Yeah, thank you for the comment. Thank yes. you so much. And yeah, please, when we say, please DM us, email us, let us know your thoughts. We mean it. We, read <laughs> we, we, we do read it. We read every yeah. single comment. We appreciate all of you so much. Okay, great. So shall you take us into our first topic? Yes. Okay. Right. So we're going to be talking about consumerism at Christmas. So I'm going to start with a, 
A few questions for you. A warning, I have not gone to Oxford, so these, these answers may not be right. to your standard. These may be useful for your next, like, Christmas pub quiz. Who knows? <laughs> okay, Benji, how much do you think the UK spends on Christmas gifts every year? Five billion pounds. Close. Really? No. Okay. This year is 20 billion. Oh my gosh. Okay. Last year it was 25 billion. So people are really tightening their belts because, you know, cost of living crisis. Now, I'm sure you can do the maths. <laughs> you can't do the maths. How much does that work out per person? I couldn't tell you. How much do you reckon you spend on Christmas gifts for people every year? So I don't think I'm a good case for this because mm -hmm. my family aren't really gift exchangers like that. Okay. Like we do... But you know, some sometimes like a huge tradition around it. A lot of times, like I would go see my family in Ghana for Christmas. My mum or dad might just want me to get something that they need from here. Right. And then I might give my sister, my siblings something. But like, yeah, I probably spend a lot less than the average person. I don't really ever give Christmas presents to my friends. Okay. So maybe I spend 150 sure. pounds. The average this year is about 430 pounds. 430. I see it. I see it. Yeah. And how do you think that's split between men and women? Do you reckon it's equal? Absolutely not. Who do you think spends more? Women do. Yeah? Oh, yeah. And this isn't coming from a misogynistic, women of the shop kind of way. More of a men. Our trash kind of perspective. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you the actual figures. <laughs> yeah. But it still links into men are trash. Yeah. <laughs> Go misandry. Women spend £370, okay. men spend £493. Oh, men spend more? Yeah, men spend oh, more. Oh, I did. I, that surprised me. Okay. <laughs> that is on equalising the gender pay gap. <laughs> why, why do you think that is? I don't know. Hopefully because, like, they're making up for being trash. <laughs> That's so interesting. Do men, like, prefer to spend money at this yeah. situation? Yeah. Women I'm... put more time and thought into a gift and men just chuck money at it. I'll be so honest. I'll be so transparent. This is a Benji's negative trait. After a couple more episodes, there's probably going to be a compilation we could do on <laughs> Benji's red flags. <laughs> I very much treat gift giving like an exercise. What do you mean? Like, I find it hard to do. Uh, I, I treat it as, as like an object. Do you know what it is? It's the pressure of the occasion. There are many times where I will be out and about and I'll just see something that I think someone I know would like and I'll get it for yeah. them in the moment. I'll yeah. think of it. But when it's on birthday or Christmas, it's like, it's not organic. Like you're having to really think about what this person would want. And so I really just think objectively about budget, what they like. I get the thing that meets in the middle of those the best. And I, that's, it's an efficiency thing. Yeah. No, I agree. Do you know what I, I agree? Mean? And like, I will get someone something because I remember them mentioning it. And that I think that's the best way to do it. Oh, see, I always, I, I, I forget to remember that. Yeah. In 2020, it was 495 and 458. So it was like almost the same. What do you mean? As in men and women almost spent the same amounts. So then therefore men are spending more. Yeah, the gap is growing. Interesting. So women are spending less year on year. Yeah. I would love an additional data point to see if who they're giving their gifts to has changed. Mm. I don't know if you saw that recent study that came out. That said loneliness is growing faster amongst single men. Or something like that. Basically the study was basically saying that as time is going on, a lot of women are very much divorcing themselves from the idea that they need to settle down with a man to be fulfilled. Mm. And they're actually a lot more women are choosing just not to date or choosing to be single for a lot longer. 
And actually, it's men that are set, like single cis het men that are struggling. Yeah, well, I mean, the incel community is thriving. There we go. There yeah. we go. So it's interesting. Like, I don't know if that relates to that stat. Like, maybe women are just spending less on men and getting, giving gifts to each other and people who, yeah, yeah. for other reasons. I don't know. Yeah. I, that is not based on any sort of fact. Just a hypothesis of mine. Okay, my last question about that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Is okay, the UK this year, about four hundred and thirty pounds per person. How much do you reckon the US is? Answering dollars or pounds? It'll be probably double, like eight hundred dollars yeah. nine a grand maybe. Nine hundred and thirty dollars. Yeah. Seven hundred and sixty five pounds. Doesn't surprise That's me. That's so much money. I would say that there's definitely a culture of well, there's hundred percent a culture of more in the yeah. States that we don't necessarily have to the same extent. Not that we're through over here, but like I definitely have a culture of just like more is more extra. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And the last question I want to ask you is how many mince pies do you reckon are eaten in the UK every year? Every year? Yeah. A billion? Pretty close. 800 million. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That is a lot. That's a lot of mince pies. How many is that per person? That's like 12 per person. Yeah. That's I mean, like more than 10 per person. Mince pies are great though. Mince pies are great. Mince pies are great. Some people really don't like them though. I, it's interesting because I hate raisins and okay. I hate fruitcake. Right. And any sort of fruit mix, I'm not really vibing with. <laughs> Which is exactly what mince pie is. But I don't know if there's something, and not, and not all mince pies. Not all mince pies Hashtag are made. Not all, <laughs> not, all, not all mince pies. I'm all about equality, but when it comes to mince pies, no, anyway, so what's the point? It's consumerism, Benji. Okay. 800 million mince pies a year. Okay. £450 spent on Christmas gifts. So much is spent at Christmas. I mean, so much is spent all year round, but particularly at Christmas, right? And so I saw a TikTok that was like, trying to unlearn everything I've ever learned about anti-capitalism so that I can enjoy 15 seconds of happiness. And then the, the person was walking around a Christmas shop or like a shop decorated for Christmas time. And I think it's a really interesting topic how we equate happiness with spending money in our consumerist society. But when you really think about it, like, do you remember what gift you got for Christmas last year? Exactly, right? Wait, hold on. You remember the memories, the time with friends, the nice food, that kind of thing. Well, food's consumerist as well, but it is more yeah. about the time you spend together. Do you know what? I am definitely somebody who thinks Christmas Day is overrated, mm. to be honest with you. It's uh, always stressful. It's stressful. I think for me personally, coming from my cultural background, and not to say that Ghanaians don't enjoy themselves, we love enjoyment. But it's very much, at least from my experience, about church and Jesus and all of that stuff. So you go to church on Christmas Day and that's like a whole ordeal. And then <laughs> and then you come back and you have a nice meal and that's kind of it. So the few times that I've spent Christmas with other people's families, I'm actually spending it with my friend's family this year. It does feel different. I feel like, no shade, but like white culture to make a huge generalization makes Christmas Day more of a big deal. I get a sense that there's probably a cultural disconnect for me in terms of my enjoyment of the day. But I've never really seen it. The day has been the big thing. What I do love about Christmas is Christmas time. Having an excuse to hang out with someone you haven't seen for a while. Yeah. Or Christmas parties. I love a Christmas party. One of the things that I really miss about having a full-time job, now that I'm freelance, is the work 
Christmas do. Have you ever had a what? You haven't had a job before, have you? Well, I was invited to my marketing agency's work Christmas do last year, but okay. I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> I do not want to go spend this time with people I've never met in person before, and you were all double my age. No, thank you, ma'am. The work Christmas do is such a special moment. It's the perfect storm, right? Because what you have is a combination of so many delicious elements. You have Christmas, where, to be honest, in most industries, we're really hard all year. It gets to mid-December and everyone's like, screw it, it's Christmas. So no one's really focusing too hard on work, deadlines. You know, people are just counting down the days until they can go home to their families. So the work brain is already a little bit off. Two, alcohol. Most work dudes, booze is the focal point. People are there to get messy. Okay, so that always make an event interesting. Deck three, usually if you have a work do, in my experience, you typically wouldn't get seniors mixing with juniors. The Christmas do is one of the few times in the year where usually the whole company is together in one room. All level seniority in one place. A ton of booze. And people care less about work and therefore work standards. And the things that happen in that perfect little storm is just mwah, like chef's kiss. I love a Christmas party. And the tip to maximize your work Christmas do is to not get too drunk too early. <laughs> Don't get too drunk too early. What you do is you mingle, you have one or two, okay? And you people watch, you dip in and out of conversations, you get the tea because lips are loose. Watch because people are going to be sneaking off into the bathroom with somebody they're not meant to be with. Someone's going to be fighting somebody else outside. People are going to be discussing salaries, why that person didn't get that pay raise, why that person got fired. So you have a little mental note. You keep all the teeth that are coming useful for the next coming year. And then you get drunk. And you're out here telling me to just make the most of events and parties. While all the while you're scheming at the Christmas party. Because it's just too good of an opportunity. So yeah, I don't know how we got onto that, but... <laughs> yeah, bringing it back to consumerism. So it's interesting, right? And an another creator stitching that TikTok that I saw about having to unlearn everything you've learned about anti-capitalism was like, why is it that we feel we can only get pleasure from doing these bad things? The impulse to just forget like, that an artist is problematic for three minutes so that we can enjoy their song. Why can't we just derive pleasure from things that are not bad? And I think it's an interesting point to raise. Have you seen The Good Place? I have seen The Good Place, yes. So there's a bit in The Good Place where they're sort of tallying how many points you got, whether you were good or bad, to get into heaven. And spoiler alerts, if you haven't watched The Good Place, what are you doing with your life? But everyone is going to the bad place because everyone is doing bad things and no one can actually get enough good points. And the thing is... Everything, if you deep it, everything is bad in our society. Like, you can say, oh, well, I don't want to drink cow's milk because that's not very ethical. But also, almond milk's terrible. Like, almonds are imported from somewhere in South America or something. That's no better. And every piece of clothing you wear is probably, like, the product of unethical labour. And it's impossible. Like, it's really, really difficult. Unless you completely unshackle yourself from society. I don't think you can ever be doing something that isn't bad in some way, right? So I agree with that first creator that you kind of just have to ignore that so that you have a good time. Yeah, I'm very much team let people enjoy things. Mm. To a certain extent, obviously. 
because you know we don't want to be enjoying things that are inherently harmful but i don't think there is inherent harm in wanting to derive joy from spending money we live in a capitalist society if my only opportunity for example in my working week to derive a little bit of joy is for me to go and buy some silly little thing at a silly little shop that's going to make me happy for a silly little few minutes life's hard life's tough as long as that's not harming somebody else to an extent that is unreasonable let people, so, let people have things so the counter argument is that it is like your enjoyment of something your enjoyment of deciding to buy like a new little piece of clothing or something that's contributing to the fast fashion industry for example mm. So all of these things that we're like, well, just let people enjoy them. We can always say it is harming someone else to an unreasonable extent. So I disagree. So the reason why I said a reasonable extent mm -hmm. is because I think it is reasonable that someone, especially someone who maybe is working two jobs of lower income status. I'm creating a scenario here, right? Yeah. Like hypothetical to explain what I'm trying to say. And they have one night a month that they can afford to go on with their girls and they want a new dress. And they're only going to afford it for them. It's a pretty little thing. And yes, that dress is made by slave labor. And yes, that dress is bad for the environment. And yes, it's unsustainable and the dress shouldn't be as cheap as it is XYZ. However, that is the system that this person exists within. And that is one of the few ways that they can derive joy. And so I think it's reasonable to allow that person to do that while still acknowledging the fact that ultimately the system is messed up and stuff like fast fashion shouldn't really exist. And we should be trying to think of more sustainable ways to produce clothing. And you know, we should be speaking out against slave labor, but I don't think we should be placing all of that energy on this one person who I just made up, right? Who just wants to wear that pretty little thing dress to go down to the pub to have a few drinks with her friends on the one night month she had. But so what I would say is that you've taken my argument and then you've applied it to a very specific worst case scenario there, which isn't yeah. what I'm trying to put forward because there are people that aren't in that particular scenario still buying things from Pretty Little Thing, right? Mm. And it doesn't even have to be about fast fashion, you know? It could be someone... I don't know, deciding that their little pleasure that they want to have is avocado on toast. And it's like, okay, but avocados imported from, I don't know. I'm not entirely uh, sure, but I have seen that avocados are unethical. I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, sure, you could enjoy that thing, but couldn't you equally enjoy it with something that was locally sourced instead? like some tomatoes on toast that were grown on a UK farm or some equivalent that you enjoy? Obviously not everyone likes tomatoes. So I think one thing, and I, I'm going to try and explain this in as like clear a way as possible, because this is a bit of a, a convoluted point, but I think my issue with those sorts of arguments, and I, cause I don't agree with the principle of what you're saying, but I think that they are just unrealistic when you apply them to the day-to-day -day life of like most quote unquote regular people in the sense that, for example, if I want to have a coffee in the morning, you arguably could judge me for going to Starbucks to get that coffee. I should support my local business owner who makes coffee. And that is probably true. And in isolation, that is a choice that I could make in order to better my community, better the world, X, Y, Z. And it's a choice that I should make. Someone should make that choice. However, it's one of so many 
hundreds of thousands of decisions that people need to make in a day, right? And so in reality, when we do have all of these different priorities, it's not always possible to make that ethical decision all the time when it comes to the stuff you buy, when we live in a society that encourages us to buy things. And that's not me justifying the harm cause. And I think when it comes to different things, like, you know, I would never say that we all make so many decisions in a day. If you decide to make a decision to, I don't know, abuse someone, then that's fine. Like, that's obviously like, a typical example, but I'm just saying like, there are certain things which you definitely 100% should not do, no matter how many things you have to think about. I think when it comes to consumerism and unethical spending, I think we do need to cut people some slack because people don't always have the capacity to kind of prioritize that. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. And the way I would sort of agree and respond to that is that that is a different point to the initial point you stated of we should let people do things as long as it's not harming others to a reasonable extent. Because I think we need to acknowledge that it is harming people and it is harming them past the reasonable extent. But your point and the point I initially made are the same, I think, in the we're shackled by this capitalistic society. Mm. Unless we completely detach ourselves from it, mm. which is really difficult to do, then we are going to cause harm and we're going to do bad things. And you have the options to either one, completely de-shackle yourself from it, which will leave you in isolation from everyone else pretty much. Two, do the things and feel bad about them all the time. Or three, do the things and ignore them and feel good about them. So like, why wouldn't you choose the third option? It's kind of pessimistic, but... It kind of just is the same of things. This whole conversation really reminds me of people who say that millennials and and Gen Zers nowadays can't afford to buy houses because they're spending all their money on lattes and their Netflix subscription. And that argument is usually posited by people who are older who bought a house in the 80s and 90s when inflation wasn't so wild, houses were less, there was more opportunities in general, they had a greater capacity to buy a house at a younger age. And nowadays, young people just don't have the same access to do the same thing. And so me saving my 999, I don't know how much Netflix is now, from not having Netflix or me saving that five pounds a day from not buying their coffee, that's not really going to add up to much when it comes to saving towards a house. So in the short term, why don't I just enjoy the life that I have now rather than punishing myself unnecessarily in the hopes that I can maybe deserve a house one day when really that's unrealistic for most people my age and my circumstances. Now that's like an add-on to what you were saying, which really reminds me of that, this Mm. general sentiment that is basically, to sum it up, it's paying blame and shame on the victim of the messed up system rather than focusing their energy on the system. And yes, collective responsibilities is important, but at the same time, we should have an, an awareness that ultimately we are within a system that needs to be corrected and fixed and one that we didn't make ourselves. We exist within it and the powers that be created it to benefit them and disadvantage us, you know? Mm. So I'm going to wrap up this section with a cute little fun fact. Okay. So the way Santa Claus first came to the US, Mm. which is, you know, arguably the driver of consumerism around Christmas time, 
is when the Dutch arrived in New Amsterdam in the States, they brought along with them Sinterklaas, who was like Saint Nicholas, but the Dutch version. And then in the 1840s, department stores in New York saw an opportunity in Santa Claus as a marketing gimmick. And they thought we can get the real Santa Claus to our stores and that will make people come visit. And that's how meet and greets for Santa Claus, like Santa's Grottos started. And it was unbelievably successful. Everyone was bringing their kids to the department stores. And that meant that there was so much foot traffic and then so many people buying at the department stores. And that's kind of the origins of consumerism at Christmas. I didn't know that. That was was a fun fun fact. Yay! I had a great time learning that. Good. All right, right. shall we move on? Before we move on, Benji, you have 60 seconds to tell me your no nuance. So do you, want, do you want to explain what this is first? I feel like it's funnier if we don't. No, no, explain. Okay, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> so basically, this is a new segment on the podcast yeah. called No Nuance. And every episode, one of us is going to take 60 seconds to just provide an unnuanced take on something we care about. Something that's got us a bit hot under the collar mm. or something that we think is interesting and more people should know about or should be talking about. And the thing is that in what we do on this podcast, it's very much, oh, but if you thought about it this way, if you think about it this way. And sometimes we don't want to be balanced. Sometimes <laughs> we just have something to say. And I've got something to say this week. And so we're going to try out this new segment. Let us know how you feel about it. And yeah, cool. All right, Benji, you have 60 seconds for your no nuance. Your time starts now. So I've had people in my DMs complain to me that Gozi Falani, who was racially abused at the palace recently, is racist because her charity, Sister Space, only caters towards Black women who are victims of DA. And that's racist because why don't they cater for people of all races? But that's what charities are for. Charities are meant to be supporting a specific tailored cause. It doesn't make it racist if a charity just caters to black people, just like it's not offensive to people who have throat cancer, if a charity caters to people who are suffering from breast cancer. It's so nonsensical. And the idea that you would disparage a woman who is trying to cater towards a very vulnerable, marginalized group who need that support because to you, you feel like she should be doing more. Why don't you start your own charity then? And you that's it. don't have any more time. Yeah, these donkey <laughs> sanctuaries are really racist towards horses. Like, I can't. Anyway, <laughs> if you agree with that sentiment, if you have thoughts on that no nuance, let me know. I, yeah, let's move on. All right, so for topic number two in this festive themed episode, I want to talk to you about one of my favorite songs of all time. Wait, actually, I was going to be sarcastic, <laughs> but no. We're going to talk about Do They Know It's Christmas by Band Days, which is not one of my favorite Christmas songs of all time. It's one of my least, actually, and I'm going to explain why. But before we get into that, what is your favorite, actual favorite Christmas song? Ooh. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Aww. Who sings that one? Um, white Michael Bublé, Frank Sinatra, <laughs> other white men. Can you guess what mine is? Uh, yes, <laughs> of course it is. It's Mariah Carey, yeah. all up for Christmas is you. It's a classic, it's a staple. It's a bit basic, but some things are basic for a reason, because mm-hmm. they're good. Exactly. Fair enough. So, Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid 
is a single that was released in 1994, I believe, uh, written by Bob Elder and Mitch they wrote this song in support of a famine that was happening in Ethiopia. In support of a famine. Money was raised. <laughs> they wrote and recorded a song to not support the famine. There we go. To raise money to help people who were suffering from the famine yeah. in Ethiopia. And they put together this band called Band Aid, called such because they were banding together to provide aid. And they got a ton of iconic music artists at the time to come together and record this song. So it was kind of like the Gal Gadot Imagine during the pandemic, but of 1984. You Gal know what I'm talking about, yeah. Is that when all the celebrities did the, yeah, the video? Yeah, Imagine. Yeah. Like $300,000 kitchen. Ridiculous. Saying how hard life was. Awful. But this was for a better cause back then. It had a purpose. It had a purpose at the time. And the song broke records. It went number one. It was a, a huge single. And it has become... A staple, I would say. It's a festive staple that people bring out every Christmas time. If I sing the tune, you recognize it. Do they know it's Christmas time? Everyone knows that song. Right? Yeah. And they've actually released like, like several different versions of it since the one in the 80s. Most recently, a different version came out of it to support the Ebola crisis that was happening, I believe, in 2014. Yeah. Um, Band-Aid 30, and they called that mm. one. So yes, it sounds all great and lovely, right? Why does Benji hate this song? Well, I hate the song because of the lyrics. The lyrics of the song are incredibly racially insensitive in a way that at the time, I maybe, I'm surprised wasn't pointed out, but also not surprised because the conversation when it comes to things like white saviorism, so white saviorism is the belief that some white people have that they have a superior ability to solve the issues that people of color face. And I guess conversations about that maybe weren't as, you know, progressed, have, have progressed as much as they have today. And also at the time, the focus very much was on raising the money and the money was raised. And as I get reminded in my comment section, when I talk about this every time, money does still go towards a trust that is supporting people in Africa. In that good old country of Africa. The country of Africa. <laughs> so the money raised is still going to charity. Let's say that. Okay. However, the lyrics. So let me bring up my receipts and explain exactly why this song is so, so harmful and horrific. Okay, so these are the lyrics of the song. It's Christmas time, there's no need to be afraid. At Christmas time, we let in light and we banish shade. That's pretty cute, right? Pretty standard sure. Christmas stuff. Then it gets kind of dark. It's like, there's a world outside your window and it's a world of, of dread and fear. It's a little bit scary outside. <laughs> and then they say, where the only water flowing is the bitter sting of tears. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yikes. Yikes. What is outside my window? Like, I'm not trying to go there. Hell? Like, what we're we talking about here. Okay. And the Christmas bells that ring there are the clanging chimes of doom. Where, like, what is happening? Is it not meant to be Christmas? Are we not meant to be being festive right now? I didn't realize this was so dramatic. It's so dramatic. Well, tonight, thank God it's them instead of you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because I was getting scared that that song was going to come into outside. <laughs> this doesn't impact me. Great. Okay. And there won't be snow in Africa this Christmas time. The greatest gift they'll get this year is life. So the place where the rivers flow, right? Mm. The place where the, you know, the only quiet dune sounds, yeah. yeah. That's Africa. Ah, yeah. Got it, got it. I was, I was gonna, gonna go there. Don't yeah. wanna go there. Where nothing ever grows, 
no rain nor rivers flow. Great, thanks. Apart from the rivers of tears. Right, exactly. Ever had a denial? Okay. Denial is a river in Africa. Your boyfriend is gay! <laughs> I'm not sure that we can keep it in because it's a TikTok reference, or we should cut it because it's... it's problematic. It's problematic. Yeah. Well, as long as we acknowledge that it's problematic. In case we do keep this in, that's a Wendy Williams quote, and it's a sound that's trending on TikTok. Anyway, so... Do they know it's Christmas time at all, you know, in Africa? Because, um, like, they're not very clever, are they, Benji? I mean... Do they even know? Oh, Paul, but they do say, here's to them, underneath that burning sun, give a little help to the helpless. Oh, well, then that's fine. Yeah. Like, all they're trying to do is help. So when you read it like that, and especially without the... You strip back the tune, because the tune is a banger. Mm. It's very appealing. Mm. The melody is very, very appealing. Yeah. But when you listen to the lyrics, you realize that what they're painting is a very negative, dark, generalized picture of a whole continent as being helpless, barren, a place where it, it's so dark and gloomy and doomsday light that they don't even know it's Christmas. And obviously, at the time, they clearly wrote these lyrics because there was this awful famine that was happening in Ethiopia. You might have thought they would have mentioned the name of the country they're trying to, you know, support. But anyway, it served the purpose at the time. However, it's now out of context. Every time that song is played, we are reaffirming this image of Africa as a place where, and Africa, one of the most diverse continents, right? So many different communities, groups, peoples, so many different types of environment. You've got mountains, you've got snow, you've got deserts. There's so much that Africa encompasses. And we played a song at Christmas time and we're reducing this amazing continent down to this like pitiful, horrific thing, right? And it's really awful because as somebody who is African, it's really, really awful to hear this narrative be perpetuated so gleefully every single year about a continent that I call home, right? And people try and justify this song being played every Christmas because it raised money for a cause in the 80s. And yes, money from the song does still go towards charity. But my point is this, is there not a way that we can support causes about harming the people that we are meant to be supporting? Do the people, again, even when I'm having to talk about this, it's so generalized. Do the people being supported in Africa deserve this? Just so if they can be sent some coins to help them with their struggles. Like, even the way I'm having to talk about it, like, it's so, like, the superiority that it's informed by. It's a form of, like, humiliation for your pay, right? There we go. Like... You wouldn't accept, like, mistreatment. I don't know how to explain this, but kind of... If someone were to say, I will pay you £10 if I can punch you, mm-hmm. or if I can kick you, then, like, sure, you get the £10, but it wasn't a great way to get the £10. Mm-hmm. You don't feel good about the way you got it. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's still harming you, even if you're getting some monetary benefit from it. It's injuring you in a different way. But what I would also point out, though, in that situation is that both parties in that scenario, in the way you described it, have autonomy. The way you described it is like a level playing field, right? You can decide to take the money if you don't mind being punched. Yeah. Or you could decide to not. Right. Get the money. It would depend not on your punched. financial situation. You might feel you have to, 
or even worse, the money might be thrust upon you. Mm. The amount of people that I've seen engage in this conversation with the mentality of, well, you know, it raised money, so I don't care that the song contributes towards racist perception yeah. of your people. I don't care. It raised money for you. Be happy. Did I ask? Did I ask? Did I request this? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there isn't, it's not a Lego playing field. We live in a society that is informed by white supremacy, that is informed by learning this like mindsets and perspectives that value whiteness and Western Eurocentric standards and the people that those citizens best cater towards, right? White people, mm. essentially. And so it's not an equal playing field. Every time this song is played, every time you paint this picture of Africa, you're kicking a dog that's already down. I, as someone who is black, as somebody who is African, I already face so much bias and prejudice in society because of my identity. That stuff like this does not help. It does not help. I remember being eight, and I spoke about this on TikTok. I remember being eight years old and having this song played at a school party and everyone was singing on the dance to the song and it was all great and lovely. And then afterwards in the school playground, I had a ton of kids come up to me and be like, oh, you're, you're going back to, to Ghana for Christmas, aren't you? Like you're going back to Africa, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, wow. It sounds really awful. Oh my gosh. Are you going to be okay? Are you going to have anywhere to stay? Are you going to have enough food to eat there? And essentially I just felt this sense of shame about somewhere which I knew was nothing like that. I'd been there before many times. That's not the Africa that I know. That wasn't the Ghana that I know. And yet when you're surrounded by kids in the playground and you're just eight years old, you question yourself. And I'm not blaming those kids. They're young. They don't know any better. The whole point is that for us as people who do know better, we should act accordingly and just think about the harm that songs like this actually cause and whether we should be endorsing it. Mm. And when I say endorsing it, what I mean by that is, look, everybody has media. Let me speak for myself. I listen to certain artists. I listen to certain songs which are problematic, that in the dead of night, under the cover of darkness, I will play a two on two by Azealia Banks. I'm sure you have your version of that as well, right? But if, for example, I'm, you know, on a live stream on TikTok, or I'm curious to play this for an event or something like that, I'm keeping these things in mind. If I'm planning a Christmas party, I'm probably not going to put this song on it. Even if it's my favorite song of all time, because again, it's what are you endorsing? What's the message of the song? Who could it harm? Who could it impact? This is what we need to be critically considering. Not, it's not about, because this, this whole argument is, can kind of be misconstrued as me and people like me saying that the song should be quote unquote canceled or banned. No, that's not what it is. It's that we should have an awareness of the harmful things that this song kind of perpetuates, right? And think critically about how we engage with the song. But I think also, I mean, let's not beat around the bush. We do want the song to be cancelled, right? We we want it to be retired. We don't want it to be played anymore. We want something else to be played in its place. Like, come up with a different song that you, like, give to charity by listening to. Or just come up with new lyrics. We like the melody. It's a good melody. Just change the lyrics. It's not that difficult. Mm. There are plenty of lyricists out there that could do it. And... Just update it. Like, it should be none in 2014. Mm, yeah, so I'll read out the new lyrics. But oh, wait, there are new lyrics. There are new lyrics, oh, yes. And not much better. Oh, really? Damn. So, yeah. But before we go on to that, well, another thing that I want to say, and I think I've mentioned the global scale of happiness before in a previous episode, but when they paint this picture of Africa 
as being gloomy and doomy and everyone's sad and crying, that's just statistically not true. Mm. Like when happiness is measured across the world, mm. almost all countries tend to have about the same level of happiness. When you ask someone, how happy would you say you are on a scale of one to 10? Basically every country has a fairly similar average. Mm. So white people imposing this idea of what Africa is mm. and saying, oh no, you can't be happy because that, like not actually listening to the people that are living there mm. and their lived experience. They're mm. like, oh, but I can't understand how you can be happy living like that. So you can't be happy. But why is that? Why does this happen? Why does what happen? Why does what you're describing happen? White saviorism, white everything. And white supremacy. And racism. Yeah. There we go. You can't make sense out yeah. of nonsense, mm. right? Yeah. It all boils down to what? Say everybody, racism. There we go. So what is new lyrics? Okay. So it's pretty much all the same apart from, so mind you, this was to raise money for sure, people suffering from Ebola. Yeah. So there's a world outside your window and it's a world of dread and fear where a kiss of love can kill you. And there's death in every tear. And the Christmas bells that ring there are the clanging chimes of doom. Well, tonight we're reaching out and touching you. So they took out the line about Thank God it's Devin, not you. Well, I applaud you, right. Bob Galgop. That was very <laughs> progressive of you. Oh, peace and joy this Christmas in West Africa. Oh, you ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> the only hope they'll have is being alive. Where to comfort is to fear, where to touch is to be scared. How can they know it's Christmas time at all? Here's to you. Raise a glass to everyone. And here's to them and all their years to come. Yeah. Like you had a second opportunity. You had a second chance. It could have been corrected. How many people it had to go through? How many people have to approve that? And everyone was like, yeah, you know what? This is fine. In 2014, no longer the 80s. No excuse for it. In 30 years, no excuse for all it. you could change was the thank God it's them and not you. Yeah. And, and change it from Africa to, to West, West Africa. Africa. <laughs> yeah. Still huge generalization. Still an awful, awful racist song. Yeah. Okay, I want to wrap up, but I want to quickly touch on Fairytale of New York. Okay, so Fairytale of New York is also another one of these scenarios where it's a Christmas song that is problematic. So it's sung by the Pogues, who are an Irish group. Fairytale of New York is not one of my favourites, I can't lie. Is it? Do you like it? Are you a fan of it? No, I actually really dislike the song. Even like outside of the questionable lyric i don't like the song i think it's an annoying song you can't hear a word he's singing he's like like slurring everyone oh, i hate it absolutely hate it okay so essentially there's a line in the song where they go you scumbag you maggot you cheap lousy f-slur happy christmas you are i pray god it's our last so the f-slur it, within that context, it's an old Irish colloquialism. It means a bundle of sticks and hence a lazy person. Thank you. So in the original instance of the song, it wasn't meant to be a slur against the people who are part of the LGBTQIA plus community. However, in a more modern context, it's incredibly offensive. And this is a conversation that has been going on for a long time. There's a clean version of the song, which is very readily available. You can find it very easily on Spotify. And I believe many a radio station plays the clean version. Many don't as well. And so the people who I think are, you know, on the right side of things say that 
there's no reason why you should pay the one of the slur in it because it's a slur no matter what in maintenance original context right now we are very much aware of what it means today and i even have seen irish creators online talk about how the irish defense is like holds pretty much no way yes it did mean that back in the day but the f slur is still used against queer people in ireland today mm. in this way so there's no excuse for it. You should play the the advisor about it. And I agree. Do you have any thoughts on that? I thought you didn't care. So this is the thing. So we spoke about this a little bit beforehand. Yeah, I don't care about this conversation. I'm sorry. I don't. Do you know why I don't care? I don't care because I've spoken about how much I think conversations should be productive on this podcast before. Yeah. I think, you know, conversations are important. If there's no aim or end goal, there's no reason for speaking, especially when it comes to social issues. The Do You Know Christmas Time song by Band Aid is a song which I truly believe there are people who are ignorant towards the extent to which that song is harmful. I believe that there is a reason to have that conversation. People don't necessarily, until you point it out really to them, I think a lot of people don't necessarily get it. Mm. And I think it's a conversation that's worth having. So in my opinion, maybe I'm being naive, I think most people in 2022 know that the F slur is a slur that you shouldn't use. I'm not saying that people don't use it, people yeah. definitely use it, but I don't think I need to sit here and explain why. Or maybe I do, maybe I do, because actually Kendrick Lamar came out with a song where he used it many a time, just earlier this year or the last yeah, year. I, yeah. So maybe it's a conversation we do still need to have, maybe it's one I'm just tired of. So... I probably agree that people necessarily know they shouldn't say the F slur. Like, one of my friends with whom I have many a debate at Oxford. Oh my gosh, do you go to Oxford? Girl. Stop it. I go to Oxford. Mm. And I have debates with my friend. And he was recently called the F slur, even though he was straight. I don't remember the context exactly, but he was telling me about it. He was telling me how he was walking down the street or something and someone yelled the S slur at him and he said the word. Mm-hmm. And then I, I kind of let it slide because oh, I don't it. really, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't really bother me. Like I know the intent behind it, right? Impact over intent, but the impact was nothing because I knew the intent. Mm. So it didn't bother me that he said it, but then he like, said it again he's explained the story in front of another friend and i was like mm, you probably should just like not say the word and say f slur instead mm. and he was like what and he just didn't know this mm. was a thing it ended up being quite annoying because i had to be kind of justifying why like we say the f slur and that people know what we mean when we say the f slur and so we had to go around multiple people and i had to be like do you know what I mean if I say the F slur? And they were like, yeah, obviously you mean that. And it was weird because I had to justify myself to him. But I mean, that's a very well-educated person that wasn't aware of quite how significant the impact of the F slur is. Interesting. And there was a whole thing with like a Twitch streamer last year. I don't know if you remember this, but he was like, Oh, but like saying the F slur has got me through so much when I was a kid. That used to be how I let off steam and stuff. And we were like, you are not making this any better for yourself. It was wild. It was a wild slime, yeah. His argument was literally like, that word has got me through so much. So I'm not sure that people do know that they shouldn't be using it. But even if they do, it's like, what annoys me about it, right? 
is the relish with which people will sing that line. Mm. It's like they take delight in having a free pass to say it because, oh, we're not talking about gay people. We're talking about an old Irish slang word that meant a lazy person. And they'll use that as a free pass to savor this word coming off of their lips. And it's like, this is weird. Why do you care so much? Why do you want to say it? And I don't think the fact that you know its origins makes it any better because of the real life present impact it has. Mm. Like, you know the word pussy? Mm. Would you say that is misogynistic? Don't be a pussy. If you're not describing the vagina, yeah. then yeah, it is misogynistic. Yeah. So pussy uh-huh. is a contraction of the word pusillanimous, okay. which means cowardly, Interesting. afraid. And so initially saying don't be a pussy or more correctly, don't be pussy is just don't be pusillanimous. Oh, I didn't know that. So that's not misogynistic, right? Oh, but it is though. But it in is. In the current context. Because in the current context, yeah. pussy is a slang term for a woman's vagina. Most people don't know that it's short for pusillanimous. But even if they do, you should realize that even though you know it, most people don't. And so the impact of you saying it Mm. is going to be this connotation of it's a woman's vagina and that's a bad and weak thing. Yeah, 100%. And it's the same with the fairy tale of New York. I agree. You make a foul point and I talk about slurs all the time on my platform and why we shouldn't say slurs. And so, yeah, I maybe take back partially what I said in terms of assuming that most people know. I think when it comes to fairy tale of New York specifically, you hit the nail on the head there because it's the relish in which people want to defend that song and saying it in the song. That just really gets to me. But I could see how in general, you may not have an understanding of why you shouldn't say that term, but I think this is the point. This is it right here. In general, you could not know why you shouldn't say an Esler, but I think people who deliberately bring up the Fairytale of New York debate to defend Fairytale of New York and using that term in the song know exactly why they shouldn't say the Esler. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I'm done with that conversation. Yeah. I, I think we're being willfully ignorant. I think that's yeah. a good place to end. Yes. Okay. So Merry Christmas. If you celebrate Christmas again, if not, I hope you're having a great winter break regardless. Thank you so, so much for listening to this episode. We really appreciate every single one of you. Please, please, please do remember before you go and tackle that turkey or those leftovers, wherever you're at in your Christmas journey, to give us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Please do make sure you're following us on social media, TikTok and Instagram at TikTok's podcast. And you can also email us at the TikTok podcast at gmail.com. We love reading your messages and seeing how you feel about the topics we talk about. Please do engage with us, continue to engage with us in any way that you can, because yeah, it, it really means a lot to us. And come back next week when we'll be talking about New Year's resolutions and how to make effective ones. Love that. Love that for us. Bye. See ya.